Grace to you and peace in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A number of years ago, country superstar Tim McGraw released a song entitled, Live Like You Were Dying. In this song, he tells the story of a man who gets the news from his doctor that he has a terminal illness. And here are some of the lyrics from that song. He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. And I asked him, when it sank in that this might really be the real end, how does it hit you? when you get that kind of news. Man, what'd you do? And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. I thought of this song as I read the words of our text today from 1 Corinthians 7, where St. Paul again wrote these words. He said, what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Did you hear that last statement from Paul? He said that this world in its present form is passing away. He also stated at the beginning of this text that the time is short. And then he went on to explain how we should live in respect to these two truths. These truths that the time is short and that this world is passing away. In other words, in Tim McGraw's words, Paul went on to explain how we all should live as if we were dying. He said, if you're married... Live as if you're single. If you are in mourning, live, live as if you were not in mourning. If you buy something, live as if that is not yours to keep. And if you use the things of this world, don't become engrossed in them. So what in the world does Paul mean by all that? Well, he is not telling married people to start cruising the bars and playing the field like they might have done back in their single days. He is saying not to let your marriage consume you to the point that you forget that you are first and foremost a witness for and a servant of God. 
your devotion to and love for God or your spouse should never supersede your devotion to and love for God. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 10, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that applies to you loving your spouse also. As Paul would go on to say, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. You see, the whole point of this text is to help the Corinthians, and to help us too, to live with this undivided devotion to God. The way that we would, or at least the way that we should, if we knew that the end of our life was fast approaching. But that's not always the way that we think, is it? In fact, the man in the song didn't devote his remaining time on this earth to God, but rather devoted his time to, first of all, trying to be a better version of himself, but then also to completing his bucket list, skydiving, mountain climbing, even riding a bull. Why not? I mean, you're going to die anyway. Might as well go out going for the gusto, right? That's what uh, Queen Latifah thought in the movie Last Holiday when she found out that she only had a few weeks left to live, or so she thought. She went and took all of her money that she had been saving through her life and went on a trip to Europe on last holiday with the intent of spending every last cent that she had living the life that she always dreamed of living, base jumping and skiing and living in the lap of luxury. But as she neared what she thought was to be her end, she realized that all she really wanted to do was to go home and to be near those whom she loved and who loved her. I understand her final sentiment. When I received my diagnosis in June, I began to reflect on my life, both my past and my future. And I did not have a sudden desire to go climb Mount Everest or to parachute out of an airplane. In fact, just the opposite. I had an increased desire to see and to be with my family. I also had a renewed sense of mission and ministry, trying to make sure that my life on this earth has meant something and that God's kingdom has been expanded and that God himself has been glorified by my sojourn here on this earth. 
See, it's so easy to lose sight of why we were born into this world. Why God claimed us to be His children. We get so wrapped up into doing, into going, into producing, and preparing, and accumulating, and experiencing, and building, and saving, and maintaining, and creating our lives in this world. That we tend to forget the whole reason why we are here in the first place. King, King Solomon, I think, probably summed it up best when he wrote at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes as he was searching for purpose. And he came to the conclusion, he said, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Jesus said that we are to seek God and to obey God and to love God and to serve God and to follow God and to love God and to love and to serve and to disciple others too. But nowhere did Jesus ever say that we were to go for the gusto. That we were here to complete some bucket list. Or to become engrossed in this life, in this world, as if this is all that there is. That's what the hedonists thought. That's why their credo was, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But that's not who we are. That's not what we believe. We are the redeemed children of God. We were bought at a price. That price being the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. He gave up his life and he rose from a grave that we would know life and he said know it in its fullest form. But that fullest form is not defined by jumping out of airplanes and climbing mountains. That life in its fullest form is defined and experienced by being in intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, after saying that we should not become engrossed in the things of this world, states this, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. See, Paul's not trying to restrict our freedoms. He's not trying to have us forego all the great experiences and the joys and the beauties that are here in this world. He's trying to keep us focused on what really matters. On doing those things that we would actually be doing if we truly understood how short our days in this world are, if we truly lived like we were dying. I, for one, have been given a new, have been given a new perspective on Paul's words. I talk to God 
more than I ever have. Thanking him for the blessings in my life. And I'm trying to live with undivided devotion to him. That doesn't mean I'm neglecting my wife or my children or my friends or my church members, but rather that I'm trying to be more focused and more intentional in the way that I love and serve them. As if loving and serving God himself. So that my relationship with others is merely an extension of my devotion to him. Meant to build them up and to glorify him. Not meant to edify and to glorify me. With this sense of the brevity of our lives in this world, and in thanksgiving to God for all that He has done for us, may we all strive to live like we are dying, living in a right way with undivided devotion to the Lord, that our lives might bring glory to His name. In the name of Jesus, our living Lord and Savior. Amen.